Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cavalry Audio. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. Thank you so much for following us. Uh, we really appreciate all of the feedback that we've been given. Uh, thank you so much for that and the questions that you've been sending in because they are really insightful and it gives us ideas on what we should talk about next. So keep them coming. Absolutely. Today we got a good one. Yeah, listen, this is uh, near and dear to your heart because you do most of the breast and body work. And so uh, today we're going to talk about something that plagues many Americans. And this is breast reduction. You know, those heavy, painful breasts uh, that weight down the shoulders where you really get back pain, bra strap grooving. Sometimes you get rashes and things like that. Uh, and overall, it's difficult, I think, for many women to exercise, lose weight when you have that kind of weight that you're carrying. So this Very is important. this Very is important. really your wheelhouse. I'm going to let you run with it, but I do have uh, several questions that we're going to throw in along the way. I'll tell you, it's very important what he just said. So, you know, a lot of women uh, live with, with very large breasts. And when they tell people that they're having a breast reduction, people are like, what are you, crazy? People go and get breast augmentations. Why are you making your breasts smaller? And I've heard this so many times from the lay person out there. Um, and it's a really uneducated thing to say. Yes. Um, breast reduction is one of the most common procedures the plastic surgeons do. It is a true... Um, reconstructive procedure in a lot of ways. So what it does is it psychologically helps a person, it physically, emotionally, and more than anything, also aesthetically helps a person. So it really has multiple different, um, you know, helpful ways to, to kind of change a person's life. Because imagine, if I told you that you had an extra five pounds hanging off your chest, imagine five, seven, ten pounds Take two dumbbells, put them on your chest. Imagine what that would feel like. Mm -hmm. Your neck would bent over. Your shoulders would be hunched over. You would have lower back pain, upper back pain, neck pain. Sometimes it gets so bad that you're unable to do what are called activities of daily living because your breasts are so 
big. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, the interesting part about it is this has been done for years and years and years. And the history of it goes back hundreds of years. Um, and there's actual documentation from India and other places where breasts were so big, people couldn't do anything and they just amputate them. They didn't care what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Up until about the early 1900s or mid 1900s, 1920s, um, where you know they, they did a, a free nipple graft. And then not too long after that, they, Which is actually where you take the nipple off and then graft it back on after the breast is smaller. Very interesting because that's one of the most common questions people ask us. They're like, do you cut the nipple and areolar complex off and place it on the table and then put it back after? You know, in all the years we've been in practice, we have never done that because there are techniques that allow us to keep that nipple and areolar complex on a breast mound and move it around. So, and tailor not- tailor around it. You know, thank God for the evolution of procedures that occur. You know, in surgery because we've come a long way. Absolutely. And the reason we want to keep it like that is because obviously it maintains the sensation and the blood flows better. So you're not going to lose your nipple areolar complex. So, you know, interestingly, just to throw a couple numbers at you, they, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons said there's about seven, over seven, 70,000 uh, breast reductions done a year. And interestingly enough, there's over 100 techniques. Now, modified techniques, there's, there's a bunch of them. I know that the people, you know, for those of you that are residents or plastic surgeons that are listening, um, you know, you pick what you like the best. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different techniques with so many different scar patterns and pedicle selection. Um, in our practice, we have kind of mostly do now a modified wise pattern with us, either superior or superior medial pedicle. We feel like it gives more fullness to the upper pole of the breast and makes the breast look prettier. And really controls the lower pole of the breast where you can really set that inframammary fold. Absolutely. And so, you know, the, the great thing that you just said, the take home is, especially for all the residents and, and surgeons out there, you choose the pattern that works best for you. Um, and uh, we have we've used probably five different patterns since we've been uh, in practice. We've done it and, all: short and, scar, periareolar. Oh, of sure, we've done you know from the lollipop to you know you name it. Um, and I think that what we have done is we slowly tailored our own procedure. So. There may be a hundred procedure, hundred different techniques out there, and ours is one hundred and one. You know, because That's I like true. to think that we we use a tiny, even from our markings, how we do certain things, we tailor it per patient. But the idea is, we've come up with our own way of doing. Uh, you know what's been done for, and, for and the decades, re- and the reason for it is plastic surgery is 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 really is an art and a science, and and the beauty of it is what we noticed over the years. And even in training is the most common type of breast reduction, which is what we call an inferior pedicle wise pattern, um, which basically keeps the breast tissue at the bottom of the breast and takes everything at the top and the sides. We noticed that it didn't give the breast a very aesthetically pleasing shape. It looks flat like a pancake. And so, you know, we we had to, you know, the good part about... I think being a, a, a good plastic surgeon is you look at your results, critique them, and change. Because, you know, it's, again, definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over and expecting it to look better. So that's what I love about us. And, and the good part about this practice, uh, you, we put our egos aside and we'll look at each other's markings and say, Ugh, you know what, I don't know if I would do that. This is what I would do. And then you look in retrospect how it comes out 
And what I originally thought would look absolutely amazing maybe didn't. And so we've tailored our thought process, our pre-op evaluation, the marking, and how we actually perform the procedure uh, to where it's evolved to what it is today. And again, what we're trying to say is we want to give you that perfect breast shape. Now, a lot of people come in here and they say, I just want to be smaller. Well, I know you want to be smaller but I still want your breast to look really good. And that's the difference of, you know, old school method of just saying, let's just whack it out and get you the smallest breast as possible. But no, we want this to psychologically, physically, emotionally, and aesthetically be perfect for you. You know, I just want everybody to know this is, again, we'll, we'll state this over and over again, that this is the number one highest satisfied uh, or has the highest satisfaction rate out of any procedure that we do because of the alleviation of the weight and some of the issues that we talked about earlier. And it's interesting. You know what? I, I tell the same thing to every patient, right? As I'm marking them, I say, I'm going to walk in right after surgery in the recovery room and I'll, and I'm going to ask you how much better you feel. And I promise you, you're going to tell me, I feel like a different person. And to this day, every single breast reduction says the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're like, I immediately felt different because of the amount of weight that was taken off. You know, it's, it's interesting because you, you don't realize how much weight you're carrying until it's off and it immediately makes a difference. And people are like, wow, I feel like a different person. Now, not to mention how it looks when you get dressed, how it looks when you put on a dress, how it looks when you're wearing a bikini, it changes everything. It makes your dimensions completely change. I did a breast reduction on an 18-year-old girl who said, I used to wear just saggy clothes. I would wear big, big shirts because I didn't want people to see that I had really big breasts. Second you gave me a breast reduction, everyone's like, wow, you're so skinny. <laughs> and it's funny because you funny don't realize it. You know, and Definitely. it's the same thing when we do breast augmentations for people. We say, don't go too big because you're going to look top heavy. We don't want to, we want to keep them always in proportion. So let's just kind of go over, um, you know, the indications for somebody to have a breast reduction. Um, and it's interesting because some people may think they're, they've got very large breasts and they're not really as large as, as they, they think they are. Um, but generally speaking, there are terms that we like to use. One is called gigantomastia mm -hmm. and one is called macromastia. And gigantomastia just means they're gigantic. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to take away at least a thousand grams of tissue um, to really give them um, a, a decent breast size and a breast reduction. And macromastia is anything above 500 grams. And those terms are really used in, in our literature and they're used f mostly for insurance uh, um, approval and for, for your health insurance to pay for this procedure. This is one of the few procedures that as a plastic surgeon, we can have your health insurance cover because it... Really improves quality of life. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, when you look at all those things, I mean, the indications and the keywords, we look at intertrigo, which is, you know, infections that occur underneath the bra, the, the breast itself. And then you look at bra strap grooving because the breasts are so heavy that your bra actually cuts into and slowly weighs down on the shoulders. You have upper back pain or neck pain. And an insurance company wants us to take at least 500 grams of tissue. Now, everyone has a different uh, density to their breast. And so sometimes removing smaller portions will achieve that 500. And sometimes you have to remove a whole lot more. Um, but the goal is, you know, something in our practice too here, I just want to know, we, we will never sacrifice the shape 
to, to hit a number. You know, and so uh, there are always ways of, in, you know, making the insurance company understand and if we have to get it approved and show photos and, uh, and document. But the idea is we are not going to keep going until we get 500 grams. We are going to give you the shape that would give you the, that would alleviate all of these symptoms um, and obviously talk to you about your, per, you know, preferred sizing. And that's really important. You know, you, you took it right out of my mouth. It, it's, it's one of those things where you're coming in, and I always tell people when they come into this office is you're, it's like walking into Chanel. You're shopping. You're going to get what you want. So if someone's coming to me and saying, what do you think I should do? I'll give you my recommendations. But realistically, it's what Dr. Lakey just said. You have to give us an idea of how small you want to be. Um, and one of the, the common mistakes and one of the problems with breast reduction surgery is making it too small or too big. And realizing the patient's goals. Now, I've had patients that have come in here, we've had patients that have come in here and they look at us and say, I want you to make me as small as possible. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the size. And you say, no problem, it is what it is, we understand. And most of the time I say, bring me some pictures. So I understand and I tell them, let's make it proportional to your body. Mm -hmm. If you're a little wider, if you've got more curves, and you have your, you've, your hips are a little bit wider, it's okay to have your breast stay on the larger side with the with a you know side with a nicer shape to it, but yet take enough weight off where it does help you. For others, you know, they want to go as small as possible. We can do that. And remember, the one thing you do, a lot of people come in, you're, they say, I'm getting my breast reduced. Um, is this gonna be a lift as well? And it's the same theory. Breast lifts and breast reductions are almost exactly the same. The difference is with a breast reduction, you're taking out tissue, which is what's called parenchymal tissue, which is the breast tissue itself, and some fat. And the degree of which people have is all depends on yourself. And some mm -hmm. people have significantly more volume that, that is fat, and some is that it's just more breast tissue. So it's very important that when you do go see your surgeon, talk to them about the size you want to be, and don't talk in cup size, because cup size means nothing. It's very arbitrary. Breast cup sizes are very different from manufacturer to manufacturer. So for, for you to tell me a D and you're a G cup, and we take you down by, let's say, 500 grams, and you still are a double D with Victoria's Secret, don't get caught up on that. Just make it so it matches the rest of your body. Definitely. You know, those give us, those are like templates when you tell us you want to be a C cup. It gives us somewhat of an idea of what to expect. But I agree with you. Send photos of what you actually prefer because the same thing happens when people come in for breast augmentation. They say, make me look natural. We'll say, okay, send, send us photos of what you want. And all of a sudden, uh, a double D comes back and you say, well, this is definitely not what we discussed. Absolutely. People have different ideas of sizing and shape. You know, and I would argue, most of our studies show that shape will always out-trump size because uh, to have the perfect shape, no matter what size the breast is, is always preferable. Very true. Uh, you know, so, and the one thing I think in this practice that we do is if you're going to uh, cheat one way or the other, you're going to take more as opposed to less because... You don't want to leave someone just a little bit too large where they say, gosh, you know, I, I love what you've done, but we could have gone a little smaller. Yes. I'd rather err on the smaller side. There's all, the, the complaints are more than I'm too big rather than I'm too small after mm -hmm. a breast reduction.
This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. What I'm going to do is just kind of take you through how this process works. And let's say you're a patient, you come in to our practice. Um, you come in for a consultation, um, you're assessed. We take a full medical history, make sure you are a surgical candidate and you're in good health. Um, and then we talk to you about your desires. Now, one of the main things that, that you know, immediately we take measurements and, and we show you some before and afters and go over, go over everything else um, and then get you, if you're interested in having surgery, teed up for surgery. Surgery for, for most breast reductions um, is, un, you know, un, with us is under general anesthesia. It takes anywhere between three and four hours and you go home the same day. And this is one of the surgeries where, you know, in that pre-op visit that you're talking about, obviously you, you want them, you know, depending on the age to get a certain test because uh, we are now considering rearranging that breast tissue, what, what's important for people to, to understand? Yeah, and depending on how, how old you are, um, we routinely get a mammogram. Mm. And the, the, the mammogram that we order, you know, and we normally order it for people that, you know, above the age of 30, maybe, you know, 40 is really the, the big number. But sometimes if you have family history, we'll do it earlier. And the reason we do this is because in practice, we've actually caught cancers prior to breast reduction and have sent people to... A, a cancer surgeon that, that has taken out their breast tissue. Um, and if they would have never come to for breast reduction, it could have gone years and years and years, and it might have been something a lot worse. So that's the first thing we do. That's our baseline test along with other labs. Make sure that there's nothing there before surgery. Now, once you do the surgery and, and in surgery, when we take the specimen out, we always send the pathology. The reason we send it to pathology is because there's a less than 1% chance, okay, that there will be a lesion in this specimen that we're sending out that is cancerous. And if it is, then we'll have to definitely go back and do something about it. I'll be honest with you, in the, I don't know, thousands of breast reductions we've done, we still, knock on something, um, have not had a specimen that has come back as cancer, mm -hmm. but we've also done our due diligence and ordered the proper tests prior to surgery so we don't run into something. Definitely. After surgery, um, you're in our recovery room for about a half an hour, 45 minutes, and you go home. I would say that the majority of our breast reduction patients do not take narcotic medicine. They don't take pain medicine. They take Tylenol and they feel great two to three days after. Um, it is one of those procedures, and I will say this all the time, breast lifts and breast reductions. I don't want to say they're painless, but they are a very comfortable procedure. Most people feel so much better because the weight is taken off their back, neck, and shoulders that they even forget about the incisional pain. A little bit of incisional pain but that's it. And, you know, one of the other things I noticed that you do a lot of, which is great for, you know, the, the person who, let's say they are a little heavier. And so, you know, when you make those breasts smaller, sometimes they appear a little widened. Um, one thing that you're really good at is you also incorporate liposuction to kind of contour that anterior axilla, the area on the side, you, you know, really. So you end up with a nice rounded breast shape as opposed to something that's very ovoid or oval. Um, very common, you know, very, very common to add a little bit of liposuction or lipocontouring 
outside the breast. Um, because what happens is, and, and, if, and if you've had a breast reduction or if your breasts are larger, you can take a look. And, and sometimes right down, right by your armpit, below your armpit, you feel like there's a fullness there almost like an extra breast sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily breast tissue. It's just a little bit of adipose tissue or a little bit of fat that can easily be contoured through the same incision that you've made for the breast reduction. Very common. I'd probably say 80% or so of all of our breast reductions will do a little bit of liposuction on the outside. And that might hurt more than the full breast reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, you go home. We see you at a week. Um, a lot of surgeons will see you the next day because they want to make sure that the nipple areolar complex or the nipple is viable. Um, we're pretty confident when we do these and if everything looks great, which normally does, we don't necessarily want to drag you back in the next day. So we wait a week, have you come back, and then the rest of the healing process, there's really just concern about one thing, and that's the scars. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, we make sure that the shape's perfect. We make sure everything else is put together really nicely. But the scarring there is, you know, a variety of ways that people can heal. And some of that has to do with how you heal. Some of that has to do with how we stitched you up and, and actually manipulated the tissue. And some of it has to do with the treatment we get post-surgery. Now, listen, let's let's stop back on things alluding to scarring and treatment and things like that. But um, if someone's consulting with you and they say, all right, how safe is this procedure? What, what complications should I expect? Or what's the complication rate? You know, it's interesting. If you look at a, a ton of studies and people have done so many breast reduction studies because these are, um, this is such a common procedure that's done at major institutions, universities, and private practices. And they've looked at different types of procedures, meaning the, the different methods. And each one kind of carries a little bit of a different risk. But the complication rate can be as high as 7 to 10%. And when I say complication, it just means that a little stitch popped or one little area of your, of, your, of your scar line has opened. Those are minor complications, but they're still complications. And in my opinion, those are the most common, what we call triple point breakdown, because we're bringing three different areas and putting them all together. It might be a little tight because we want to make it really tight. Um, there is a complication of losing your nipple and losing your nipple area or complex. And it depends on how big your breasts are. If your breasts are really big and you're really trying to overdo it and the pedicle's too long, there can be nipple areola loss or sloughing. And these are things that we speak to each individual patient mm-hmm. and tell them so they understand. Even with all of that and the complication rate being up to 7 to 10%, the satisfaction rate is through the roof. So it goes mm-hmm. to show you that, I mean, really, and, and one of the other very common things is one breast may look a little different than the other. One nipple may be a couple millimeters higher than the other. These are all little things, or, or one side will, might heal a little worse than the other. Mm-hmm. All little things that can be remedied down the line. But remember, you're doing a big operation, and if two breasts don't look exactly, exactly the same, tiny little bit of tailoring can be done to get that. Definitely. So, you know, I find afterwards that your patients do, you know, really well. Uh, You know, many of them are not taking narcotics. I think that you have them on a specific regimen. I know that we do send them to Remedy Place, and sometimes you'll recommend having hyperbarics and things like that. Um, Do you feel that that's affected your overall results? I think it's great because what it does is a couple things. You send people to hyperbaric oxygen therapy, 
it obviously increases blood flow to the area of the scars. So increased blood flow to a scar will make it heal faster, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, you'll get what's called less fat necrosis. So when you're, when you're rearranging breast tissue, one of the complications could be a little bit of fat necrosis because the blood flow to an area may be a little hindered. So that area of breast tissue or fat may not as much, have not as much blood and end up dying. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy helps that as well. And the last thing is, it's very relaxing. So after you've had surgery a week later, just to be able to kind of calm yourself and sit in, in this hyperbaric um, oxygen kind of uh, Chamber, bed. yeah, um, guided it, meditation. It's, it's very relaxing yeah. and it makes you feel good. And, and I feel like the patients are happier when they do things like this. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives them a proactive role on their recovery. And I think that giving tasks like that that they know will help improve the quality or, or their convalescent period, I think you know, is always worth it. Um, What do you do, you know, listen, any plastic surgeon thinks they're the best to close an incision. They make a nice thin line. We know that everybody heals differently. What do we do that's different? What do you do that's different? So I like for every patient to get the same type of post-op protocol. So at, we like to leave stereo strips on for two weeks. Now he's giving everybody secrets right here. So secrets. go ahead, take some notes. So two weeks of stereo strips. The reason I like to use stereo strips is because there are studies that show that gentle compression on the wound really does help healing. Two weeks, I'll take them off. As long as they look really good, what I'll do is use something called the Embrace Scar Therapy mm-hmm. System. This can be bought at home, guys. You can buy it off of Amazon. Um, it is the only... FDA-approved device used for scars. Mm. It is the only FDA-approved device that has level one data that shows that it helps. And the interesting study that they did is they took a tummy tuck scar, split it in half, treated one half with embrace, one half with nothing, and they showed that it was so much better. And if you look at these pictures, it'll blow your mind. Night and day. It just shows however you heal, this is going to make you heal better. Absolutely. And then around the areola, I don't use the embrace. And what I use is is a silicone scar strip because you can buy those on Amazon as well. And they're basically, it's a circle that's cut out just like an areola. And it goes and it just sticks right onto the scar around the areola because... Honestly, that's that scar that you want to heal so perfectly mm-hmm. because you'll see it all the time. Um, and then we do this for 60 days, I'm sorry, six sessions, 10 to 14 days apart that we put this on. You, have, you can do it yourself at home. And then after that, you're basically good to go. You can use regular scar cream. I tell people to avoid sun exposure. If you're in a bikini, put some sunscreen on. And, you know, six weeks of no exercise, no heavy lifting, no swimming. Um, and people are back at it and, and, and you know, more vibrant and, and doing things a lot more actively than ever before. Yeah, we notice a general trend of people losing weight after doing this because it's easier to exercise. What would you say the youngest age you would be willing to do this on uh, in, a, in a patient that needs a breast reduction? I, I like to wait like right before they're going to college. So, mm. you know, somewhere right around 18, you can really push it at 17. And we do, a, I mean, there's a ton of patients right at that 18. I don't think it's a good idea to do it too much before, even though some people can argue saying that people have reached puberty and they're done, they're done with, their, with their growth spurt, especially in their breasts. But if you can wait a little bit more, get your transformation right before you go to college, I think it's a safer way to do it. 
We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's PlasticsDocs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. You know, I know that we've run into this before and I wanted you to comment on it. Uh, let's say you have an 18-year-old comes in, she's been miserable and you do a breast reduction. You take 600 grams from each breast. She heals beautifully, goes off to college, comes back. They're the same size as they were before you did the operation. Is this common? It's not very common, but it is seen. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see this. Um, and, you know, in all the, the breast reductions we've done, I think I've seen a handful of these people that have come back and it hasn't necessarily, you know, it, it's, it, their breasts just grew. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as it's a year after surgery, because we like to wait a year for everything to kind of heal, we can always go back and do a revision breast reduction. Now mm-hmm. that's very important. I'll talk about revision breast reductions for a second because um, it's important that whoever's doing your revision, now if it's my own patient, I know exactly what I did. Pay attention to this, people. For those of you who are undergoing breast reduction surgery or revision breast surgery, a lift or any, any breast surgery that you're getting revised, what he's about to say is the most important thing that you can bring to your surgeon. It's very, very important. We have to know what kind of breast reduction or lift was done the first time around. Um, the reason for that is we want to know the blood supply to your nipple and nip, nip, nipple areolar complex because what ends up happening is if you don't know and you like to do a different type of breast reduction and you end up just blowing right through the blood supply, a black nipple is what you're going to get mm-hmm. and it's going to be a big, big problem. So very, very important. If you go to a, 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 a plastic surgeon who doesn't even inquire about your previous operative report, run, run for the hills. Um, and sometimes, listen, if it's been 20 years, 30 years, and you're oper- I just did somebody recently who, who did a breast reduction like 30-something years ago and came back for revision. The previous surgeon had passed. They couldn't find their, their reports. And what you do is you just go with the most common type of breast reduction. Discuss with the patient that there is a high risk. There's going to be either wound breakdown, nipple areolar nip, complex breakdown. Most of the time, if it's been 25, 30 years, it's going to be okay. You're going to get what's called revascularization and the pedicle is going to be intact. Um, but you still don't want to take those chances. So make sure if you're going to go for a revision to another surgeon, take your operative report. That's yours. You can call your surgeon and get it. That person will have the roadmap so they don't run into any problems. Um, some very common kind of questions that people ask uh, when they do this is, you know, if they're younger, 18, 20, they want to know about lactation. Mm-hmm. They want to know, hey, am I going to be able to lactate after I do this? And I tell everyone that it's, it all depends on you. Um, but most of the time, you get about 50, 50 to 70% of the people who's, who've had a breast reduction, can, they can breastfeed. However, here's the big however. The duration of your breastfeeding and the amount of milk production can vary from breast to breast. And some people will tell you, my right breast gave a lot of milk, my left one didn't, and it all depends. So I think you should be able to breastfeed, but remember, breastfeeding will just make your breast sag after time. Mm-hmm. So don't do it for too long. <laughs> um, and and the, the other thing that's really common and, and, and a very, very common question, and, and I think it's, it's really interesting how it works, is most people come in and they say, I don't want to do this procedure because I'm not going to have sensation to my nipples. 
And the interesting thing is it's completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. When you have very pendulous breasts, when you have very big breasts that have been hanging, they've been stretching the nerves for years. So the chances are very large breasts, people won't have much sensation in their nipples. A breast reduction will actually restore the sensation most of the time if done properly. The nerves that supply sensation to the breast come from what are called intercostal nerves. And that area, we don't even get near with a breast reduction. What we do is we take away all that extra weight that's hanging and making the nerve stretch. So when you put it right back up, make it really pretty. The nerves have, start firing. <laughs> absolutely. You should have increased sensation or even better sensation. It may take a few months, okay? But it may take a few months, but um, you will have regained sensation. A um, couple take-home messages. Just remember... A breast reduction is also a breast lift. You're going to have higher, tighter, you know, more aesthetically pleasing breasts, but you're also going to have smaller, more comfortable breasts to walk around with all day long. Um, there is a complication rate, but it's low, and it's mostly based on the scars, mostly based on how the scars heal. Some of them may open. You may have to have little touch-ups done. It's normal. Um, and lastly, hey, is it going to last forever? Maybe. If you gain a ton of weight, some of it can be deposited into your breasts and your breasts may get bigger again. And these are things that you really have to take care of. Just like everything else, just like you take care of yourself, you have to maintain your weight, you have diet and exercise, so th the results last. And gravity gets us all. I mean, uh, you know, we can put it, you can create, tailor the perfect breast. But remember, as I said before, every single year after age 18, you lose 1% of collagen. And so eventually you hit that dermal collapse point at which you lose the reins of the horse and the breasts fall. So, um, you know, at some point, will you need tailoring? Nah, likely, just, to, you know, depends. Mm -hmm. At some point, do you lose breast tissue entirely and it's replaced by fat? Definitely. I mean, that's just what happens, especially after menopause, the breast involute, all the breast tissue. And so, you know, you have that deflation that occurs. Um, that's why you see such a large deflation after pregnancy because Absolutely. all the breast tissue engorges and then it deflates. And so it just leads to stretching of the skin. And one, one very common thing that people come in with is like what, what Dr. Lakey just said, that stretching of the skin. A lot of patients that come in with for breast reduction surgery have big stretch marks. Mm -hmm. um, and that just goes to show us that no matter how tight we make your breasts, like he just said, gravity will take over and they'll, they'll fall again. There is a little bit of a treatment we can do, and we do in surgery and after surgery that can help. And we like to use technology along with the surgery using Morpheus um, to really treat these stretch marks so we can try, give it the best shot possible to kind of thicken up and get stronger. We do one in surgery and then we do another one six weeks later in the office and then we do another one six weeks after that. I sometimes even combine a little bit of a fractionated Pico laser to try to really strengthen those stretch marks. Mm -hmm. I just did a breast reduction on a young girl, beautiful girl, super skinny, very large breasts, got them smaller, but because they were so large, she had stretch marks. I've been seeing them, seeing her on a regular basis and those stretch marks have really gotten better because sure. we've treated them so many times with different types of lasers. Yep. So that's definitely something to bring up to your plastic surgeon as well. Remember, this is something that can be covered by insurance. You can always get this done you know, on an outpatient basis. It doesn't have to be in a hospital setting. And your downtime for most people, you should not be 
out of work unless you, you do something that, that involves physical activity for more than a weekend. So if you do this on a Thursday or Friday, you should be back at a desk job, no problem by Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, no underwire bra for six weeks, you'd be wearing a sports bra. Um, and uh, you know, you're going to feel really darn good after this type of operation. Yeah, listen, most of our patients I notice, uh, you know, again, I had alluded to before that they lose weight because it's easier for them to exercise. But it's so funny, you know, the other thing that I've noticed is that, um, you know, after a breast reduction surgery, if you do have a belly or a tummy, it's the first time that you really see it. And so it's a lot of times, you know, what I want your plastic surgeon to do is to really take that into consideration. If obviously the breast reduction comes first because you're going to alleviate pain and some of the intertrigo and bra strap grooving. But sometimes when you have a disproportionate uh, body habit, so now you've reduced your breast, but belly sticks out, um, you can see a quick a depression that occurs in patients that say, gosh, well, here I did this surgery. I thought I was going to feel so much better. Um, and this is what happens. You know, I would, as we do, we get them on an exercise regimen. We, you know, we, uh, we encourage the, a dietary program um, to help lose some of the weight first. Um, but it, just be prepared. It, sometimes it is an initial shock because you don't see your stomach because your breasts are so large. Um, but that's something that the plastic surgeon should take into account. And that's why it's so common that we do these mommy makeovers. People come in for breast reduction, and when you actually simulate the breast reduction just with your hands, they're like, oh boy, I need my tummy tuck too. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. They want, that's why you know, this is going to be, it's, it's, it's something that's done so common. If it's, it's not just an isolated breast reduction, sometimes it's liposuction of the back and the axilla and the inner thighs. So you can always combine things at the same time with your breast reduction, um, like this mommy makeover that we talk about. Um, you know, we, we very frequently see people for breast reductions virtually. You don't have to even come into the office. We talk to you on a Zoom call or a FaceTime call. You'll send us pictures. We'll actually get them approved via insurance. And then you can come in for surgery and that's that. I mean, it's really that simple. I always say this, it's the most comfortable procedure that we do for patients. Um, it's a complicated procedure for the surgeon. Um, I do think that it, it, it takes a little to be good at this. I don't think all plastic surgeons are good at this. I'm sorry. Don't take it offensively. Um, but I do think there's a, there's a, a fine line to get that perfect shape like Dr. Lakey was talking about. And it just takes experience. Um, so, you know, tailor tack it the way you like to. Um, get that perfect shape to the breast because those scars do heal. And ultimately, you know, what you're left with is a beautiful shape to the breast that's smaller, that makes the patient look and feel better. So again, just some take-home points. I think that just depending on the size, this is medically necessary. And so most insurances will cover this. Um, you know, this is the has the highest satisfaction rate out of all of the procedures that we do. I think that it takes a skilled surgeon to create the perfect shape. And I know that sometimes your main concern is just to get rid of the weight. But the idea is we are looking at what you're left behind with. And so we want to uh, give you the best shape that's possible, but obviously reduce the weight at the same time. 
thank you so much for listening. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. I think I, think were, I talked a lot. You were pretty thorough, and I, I, I think uh, I'm hoping that you guys learned as much as you possibly could. Um, stay tuned for more uh, of, of our uh, uh, informational episodes. I think that, you know, I'm hoping that if you can uh, give us some ideas of what you'd actually like to listen to and throw out some questions, we'd be happy to answer them. Otherwise, again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can listen to us on your Apple Podcasts or the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.